1: It's Wednesday, somewhere in the world, which means it's time for the front three with me, Adam Bolwood, the one and only Lawrence McKenna, Mm -hmm. and Dave Mm -hmm. O'Brien. Bit of sass coming Mm. through. Uh, We have just recorded an epic live stream on the Football Republic. Make sure you go and check out the highlights
2: on the YouTube channel. Uh, Just watched all the Champions League games. I mean, we watched them out the corner of our eyes. It's hard, we found, to uh, do a live stream and... It is. Uh, do that. But we, we still, I think we summarised it quite well, didn't we, Dave? Yeah, it was up the corner of the light,
3: you're saying, Lawrence. It was sort of catching bits when you could. Superb really? directed Corrected as yeah. well. Yeah, so yeah I agree. Superb, yeah. We can go into a bit of mm, UEFA uh,
1: yeah. Champions <laughs> League <laughs> post match reaction um, first, though. Yeah. A lot of people ask me where I was on Saturday. Yeah, on where were you, mate?
2: I feel, I feel terrible. I actually feel
1: terrible. Let me set the scene. Let me set yeah. the scene. No, right. let's let me set the scene. Let me set the scene. <laughs> no, then. Let Adam
2: set it, and then we we will uh, will so Listen Guys, a Saturday leave. podcast.
1: It comes out sometimes, occasionally we record on a Friday night. Yeah. just Friday night. Right? me and Dave, Dave's come around to the football. I Republic can't, believe you're, <clears throat> Dave you around, Dave can't believe you're trying to blame this <laughs> Dave on Dave me. Dave come around. I can't believe you're trying to blame this on me. Dave come around to the Football Republic offices. Well, like, should be we on Friday. Yeah, we're all ready to go. <laughs> like really excited, ready to go, and uh, we dial up Lawrence. And Lawrence's on the street somewhere, and he's like, oh, like normal. I've got
2: 5% battery. No, no, no. Now, That's exactly that, what you said to us. Is that her. originally what I said? <laughs> that is exactly what you said to us. Well, now, did I'm I originally not sure. Say, I think you said 20. Now, did I originally mm-hmm. say a 25% battery? Mm-hmm. A 20. Battery.
3: Let's not get to 20%. Does it make any difference? <laughs>
2: now, 20 should last me between the time it should half take an me hour to walk. To yeah, about half an hour to record. Right.
1: So anyway, it all of a sudden, all of apparently, a sudden, my phone, so Lawrence says, drops to 5%. Yeah, that was And the, then EMP went off or it something. cuts out. Me and Dave are devastated. And we're like, Dave, what should we do? And I was like, Dave, we can't record it without Lawrence. We couldn't possibly do that to him. So anyway, me and, well, Dash, I, you know, me and Dave like, are out on the lash. We've so gone for a few again. pints. We've <laughs> gone for a few pints. The night goes on from there. It gets a little bit heavy. wake up and he came for a few drinks? Yeah, bit. Bit. I, 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 I
3: still doubt. I was like, I've got the front free tomorrow. I don't, I'm going to have to go. He <laughs> uh, definitely
1: did not say that. So anyway, <laughs> I've got to go. I apologise. But I've got
3: commitment to the listeners. The whole... So we, don't, we didn't. Re- we didn't rearrange the time. <laughs> but anyway, things,
1: I went out on the on the head. I had a few beers. I right? yeah, had a few beers. And I woke wake up, up the next 30, 12 day a, at twelve p.m. To a missed calls. Miss calls. Missed WhatsApp. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> They've recorded it without me, lads. So I will accept yeah. around forty percent of the blame. But will you I'll, accept I'll your own Sixty percent. <laughs>
2: Listen, Adam Boltman is uh, going for the Prime Minister of England, <laughs> <laughs> the greatest will,
1: politician ever. <laughs> I
2: will accept 40% of the... Po-
1: Lawrence, I will accept your apology. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I will accept some of the blame. We've all made mistakes here. We've all learned. We've all grown as people. I think you I have think an apology an apology. I think here it comes. Here's the
3: apology to and the listeners.
1: Well, I, I apologise to the listeners. You little but bitch. I think, that, you know, I, I have bitch. to accept some... You don't want to attribute a specific I mean, David, David, as a
2: statistician, you can probably (laughs) give it a full percentage. I'd say it's at least 70.
1: Uh, Okay, you know. I think we should move on from this, guys. I don't think it's an unfair assertion, but anyway, that's what happened. That's why I missed the podcast, guys. It will never happen again. It probably will. I felt
2: awful just because we recorded without you.
1: Oh, I didn't. You've got to throw yeah. in this industry, mate. You oh, don't I make it. Dave, actually, because Look at Dave. He's so cold-hearted. you David, got to do it, yeah. man. You've got, you got to reason. be there. What I
2: do, can I just say one thing? I love how you assumed that it was me who pushed it forward to record. And you <laughs> put nothing on Dave. we've got to do you it. Didn't it. Go, on. Didn't go, I, we rung you. We, didn't we, go run you. we yeah. called
3: you. We watched anyway, you. I want to give We comments. tweeted you. We tweeted. We didn't have that reason.
1: I want to give comment of the week. To Morad Murad, who, who said? said, "This is the whole reaction to Adam Bolt missing the Q&A podcast." And he did a little Game of Thrones shame. Shame. I like a Game of Thrones meme. Mm. Yeah, and yeah, that's it why he wins. You're the Comment
3: of the week. This week. What's, what's the bird call that they shamed in Game of Thrones? Bird, Dave. geez <laughs> this is the twenty-first
2: century. Dave has a beard. He steps Come back into the nineteenth century. century what's that bloody bird call? Oh,
1: you mean Cersei, Queen Cersei. That's all oh, right. Well, anyway, okay, listen. That's another Game out of Thrones conversation. Let's actually talk about some football. The games tonight. The big game, of course, was. Uh, Roma versus Real Madrid, 2-0 to Real Madrid in the end. Mm-hmm. Dave, what was your assessment of the performance? It seemed pretty convincing, hard for Roma to get back into this one in the second leg.
3: I think so, yeah. I think they, the, the first goal was crucial, as it always is. And Ronaldo stepped up and banged it in. But Roma, I think, threw too many bodies forward. The game game mm. management was a little bit Garcia-esque, where they just went for mm. it, played a I high would... line. I don't mm. think
2: they played that high line.
3: As in the defenders, they were stuck as in the two centre halves were the counter attacks were coming, they were coming, they were coming after the after the goal.
1: And okay. Well, they did score from Mohamed Salah missed a pretty gilt-edged chance, and of course Real Madrid carry attack and yeah. Hesse scores. And then the penalty incident as well. Um, so Roma could have
3: got back into the game if the situation and the conditions had, had been a little bit different. Mm. But I think it's the Roma team, the Roma sides building under Spalletti. It's not going to be, uh, you know, completely changed after what two months. So I think it's it's going to mm. be time, and they'll be very competitive again. They'll be up there, top three, Syrianic next
1: season. Great debut in the Champions League as a manager for Zinedine Zidane. Lawrence. Yeah,
2: fantastic. Yeah, um, we got a summary from uh, the Real Madrid channel, and they were very happy. Mm. Uh, I, I think he played it very well. Uh, the problem is, is all well and good saying a manager is fantastic when his decisions go right. Mm. Some games The decisions won't go well Fantastic substitution To bring Hesse on And obviously Ran at the back line And got them that second goal Which took them A step beyond And almost took the belief Out of uh, Roma The point would be Are Roma the, the, the biggest in opposition? Right, no. that's a good point But you can only beat what's in front of you No, and that's true But then when they come up against Barcelona so. I, I think Zidane is yet to find You mm. know, he's doing small point. hurdles yeah. And these are the right small hurdles to do And in a, and management, that's what you want so, I just feel that it, I, I, I don't know I, I feel it's awfully harsh on Real Madrid and Rafa Benitez that at this That's point, everyone's sort of going, Oh, isn't he fantastic? Look how well he's playing. Blah, blah, blah. You, they you, didn't have a shot on target in the first half. Now, if that was yeah. Rafa Benitez, our analysis would be slaughtered. boring, slaughtered, blah, blah, blah. Well, Dave, what do you.
1: He is undefeated in his uh, first few games as Real Madrid manager, of course, but as Lawrence is saying, maybe he's yet to face a real test. Oh. Have you seen a difference in the way Real Madrid are playing under Zidane as opposed to Benitez? 100% Absolutely. the freedom there, but then again.
3: Could anyone have brought that? Could anyone well, have freed them up? And could any like, for yeah. example, Carlo Ancelotti could have been gone back in there next and would have had the, would have had a better effect, in my opinion, tactically. they would have been a little bit better. I think there's there's a few things. Um, that, you know, Zidane. There I were think, moments where Roma got in behind Zidane's Milan, um, yeah. uh, Rail, Sorry, and there's yeah. there's questions there definitely. But I just feel that there's a lot of like Lawrence is saying there's a lot of responsibility on those players under Benitez that just didn't didn't, uh, perform like at Man United under Luvang our players not performing but the
2: wider point would be and Kristen said it on Mm. the Football Republic these guys have now got someone to relate to Mm -hmm. they've got someone who's been there he came from Juventus and he's come in Uh, and and, made his own landmarks Yeah, but Yeah, but
3: you've got got to deal with managers with respect, with their career. but the point would be... I know what you mean in terms of relatability. But
2: the Galactico system almost dictates that the players do hold an element of responsibility and power. And so if you give them that responsibility and power, then when they exercise it, Hmm. maybe you shouldn't be so surprised. And maybe my disgust is more that they've sort of given them a false sense of power. Well, they haven't. They've got got full
3: power, haven't they? They've executed, Benitez has been sacked and the man that they want in is, is...
2: Zidane leaves in, but I think that's partly also down to sort of uh, the, the, the Perez management and what the the culture they put around the club. At least with Zidane, I'd say the point is they're moving in the direction that maybe Perez wants them to go. And yes. so at least, uh, I so just don't think there is a direction. There's dis, so there's disjunction between uh, what we think Real Madrid as a club should do and what Perez and Real Madrid think they should do. Mm. And you know, there's a lot of different outcomes. The point is he could be right as at the same time as everyone else And their analysis is right. The point is That they've, they've just won 2-0 against Roma And Roma didn't put them Much of a fight And you have to think That part of that, that Is down to playing The Galacticos Of Real Madrid you... Apologies Oh there you go Fair enough um, <laughs> uh, Roma didn't offer An awful lot tonight Outside of what Mo Salah did On either wing um, El Shirawi I think had a good run at the goalkeeper and you know, no, I think they're,
3: they're, they're building the blocks, I think but, that's it. They're building but, the blocks of Rome, they're building the Colosseum, and the Colosseum's not ready yet. God.
2: But the point God, is, that yeah, Rome wasn't built in a day. But <laughs> the point would be with the Colosseum, the Colosseum uh, analogy, that takes a very long time to build.
1: Well, it's, they're, they're in a pretty bad position now. I think uh, well, we heard the stat that no team has ever come back from a 2 0 deficit in
2: 97. I think it was 97. 97 yeah, Deficits,
1: yeah. <laughs> so it's not looking good for them. What yeah. about the other match tonight? We saw That's Wolfsburg being Ghent 3-2. Yeah. It was 3-0 away nil. from home. Yeah, 3-2. Right, yeah. Drax at are the centre of it. Drax the, the the main man for Wolfsburg. It was 3-0 at one point, Dave. Ghent came back into it, so they sort of kept this tie alive a little bit.
3: I think it's. I don't think they have. To be quite honest, I think. <laughs> I think the appearance. The appearance of yeah, the appearance that they are back in the game. But three away goals in the Champions League is so so big. You know, equivalent to. You know, one and a half times each goal. So you've seen, you know, four and a half goals. So, mm. Ghent have got to go and score three goals away at uh, Wolfsburg. Either, uh, the Just don't, be and then that's without. So they've got to go and win three nil.
2: They're quite open. Well, they don't have to go and win three nil. It was three two. So
3: I mean, t- I mean, the sort of they have to win three 0 in terms of to you expect Wolfs. You right, expect right, right. Wolfsburg to score at least yeah, one goal. They can so score three away from home. I
2: mean. the, the point would also be that Ghent uh, have um, developed this kind of open attacking football, which. Uh, has almost made them like the darlings of the Champions League mm. in a way, and I know that um, you know that they're fairly they're fairly new in the sense they only won their first title last season. Uh, you know, Dave, you can make the same points here. These are the building blocks of something, but Wolfsburg are further along in that building yeah, process. Yeah, that, that's it, and so That's it? why people feel that maybe Wolfsburg are, are more developed. The point would also be here that for the entire match, Gemp were sort of struggling and behind, mm. and it was only really when Wolfsburg let their foot off the gas that. Ghent were allowed back I think, it,
3: I think it was it, you You know stats wise possession Ghent did dominate but Wolfsburg was so cutthroat I think it was at one point it was 5 shots to 15 um, if you're looking at domination as an away side and you're you know you've got 48% possession you're having 15 shots on goal that's pretty good it's very very clinical I think that's what Wolfsburg are on the counter attack. Like Julian Drax's second, second goal where he intercepted a ball beat a man and chipped the keeper that is Julian Drax I, I was lucky enough to see him live at Schalke uh, Hertha Berlin played Schalke in the Bundesliga a few seasons ago and it was him mm. and Max Meyer that were two players that really stood out but Draxler he wasn't consistently in the game Meyer was consistently in the game mm. and that's why I really like meyer like quite short player very good on the ball a little bit like Lionel Messi but Draxler just had that X factor picked the ball about twice scored a goal and got an assist and it was that that's what Draxler has he has the X factor and that's why uh, you know Wolfsburg went and paid 35 million euros for him mm. because he's got that He's got something else about him. You just watch him. He's very much like Kaká. Mm. Become the creative force of the team, then obviously
1: replacing Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah,
3: maybe not the creative force, but the difference maker. Mm. Similar to what Ronaldo did as well. Like not like, He's not going to go out there and, um, you know, today, Julian um, Jackson to didn't create forward. a chance. Yeah. So that's quite big, but he scored two goals. So he's a different type of player that we're used to. That's why I'm putting him quite close to Kaká. That yeah. Kaká was a goal scorer, not a creator. Yeah.
2: But he was a brilliant
1: goal scorer so you're saying there's no way back again you're expecting Wolfsburg to go through what yeah. about Chelsea Dave the night before obviously going away uh, to Paris Saint-Germain a 2-1 defeat I think they actually gave a pretty good account of themselves
3: I think they did I think they played very very well the system that they, you know, the 4-4-1-1 four, four, one, one, very very compact the lines were close together Gary Cahill and Ivanovic were incredible Baberman was brilliant Equator was very very good mm. they kept them they kept um, you know PSG at bay until the introduction of Cavani I thought Lucas Moura was hot and cold. Di De- uh, Maria was brilliant, and then but then introducing another very cutthroat player like Cavani, sort of kills the tie, you know, a player that can finish, a player that, make, that can run off the ball in such a brilliant way. It's sort of that PSG have so much resource on the bench. Mm. Eventually they're going to have
1: a starting eleven that's really good, they're going to have seven subs that yeah. are really, really good. I think Goose Hiddink came out after the game and said he was sort of envious of the options that PSG have, the depth of their squad. I
3: think that's just, you know, it's their project there at PSG that... They made
1: some interesting signings at
3: start, interesting, I mean quite poor signings and now they've evolved and they've, they're getting good players or they're buying players with potential or buying, you know, you look at Pastore that they evolved from Palermo, it took a while for him to get into the side and integrate it, Laurent Blanc's done that very, very well, mm-hmm. you know, Verratti, uh, other players in there, you're talking about, you know, Cavani again, that took a while to integrate him as well but I think it's finally clicking and they're finally, the you know, the money that they've spent. It's finally
1: taking a, a turn for the, the, the up in a way. It might be painful to mention as well, but of course, Angel Di Maria with a pretty exquisite assist. Well, no. for that you know goal. you
3: got credit players that are hitting form again, and Angel Di Maria, who had a st- absolute stinker when he first joined against Bordeaux. I remember <laughs> tweeting about it: zero chances created, zero, zero shots on goal, mm. um, zero assist. It was absolutely rubbish. But credit to Di Maria, he's finally finding his place again, and, and Di Maria, that's in form, is excellent. Mm. I want to go back to the two passes he played in the game to Maxwell mm. that were through balls to slide Maxwell in mm. to get to the byline that were just absolutely incredible. The weight, the vision, it
1: was just it was brilliant. And Di Maria in, in, in full flow is so, 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 so good. How do you rate uh, Chelsea's chances, then, Lawrence, in that second leg? Because as we say, uh, they did do well in the game. They've kept it respectable. And going back to Stamford Bridge, you'd expect them to maybe put up a challenge. Yeah, I
2: mean... Uh people have made the point that they were behind by a bigger deficit against PSG and still went through, but they had a different manager then. Um, and uh, at the same time, I think PSG were at a different phase in their life cycle. It seems like a lot of... There's there's almost a finite nature to what PSG are doing right now because they feel that they're at the end of a specific era. There's Latin era. They're going to bring Usher in something new. I, I'm wondering... About the, because they have such a mercurial side and the Angel Di Maria element where they'll go back to a Stamford Bridge and they'll shop them there. Mm. I think PSG will get the result back there. Um, so you're
1: you're putting PSG to go through.
2: Yeah, same same view. We're going Chelsea.
1: Wow,
3: really? I just think they were really solid. Like they they it was sort of you know when they won the Champions League and they had that game against Napoli where away they got absolutely smashed. Lavezzi was so so good in that game. Scored I think he scored twice and Cavani got the other one again. Yeah. Cavani back to Chelsea, but. I just felt that day they looked quite solid and they went on to be solid through the, the latter stages and then they kind of like fell into the final and then they won the final in quite a fortuitous fashion you'd say
2: but again very different nature of the, the competition at that but time. again
3: they'd sat the manager they got a manager in on the short term the player power was probably a lot more now, like under Gus Hiddink after Mourinho. Gus Hiddink is probably letting the players express themselves.
2: But again, a very different time in their life cycle. I mean, John
3: Terry's... You
4: know, but again, but
3: then what, what I'd say was that this Cahill and Ivanovic partnership impressive, impressive. looked very, very good. Like Cahill was putting in a number of like last man blocks, last man tackles, and Ivanovic just looked quite dominant in the air. Ivanovic came to Chelsea as a centre-back, a very True. dominant centre-back. So you naturally think that, yeah, we play right back with him when he's got pace, when he's got mobility. Now that he's getting to the latter stages where he can read the game better, where he doesn't want to expose himself going forward. That was the issue with Ivanovic at the start of mm. the season, that he goes forward too much that he thought he had the engine. Now he can't get back. You, know, you speak to any coach. If, you can't go, if you're going to go forward as a fullback, you've got to be able to get back. And if you, mm. if you can't go forward, you know, if you can't get back, don't go forward.
1: And mm. I think as Ivanovic... You or move just him inside. don't play them as a full Either or. Yeah. Let's talk briefly about the final fixture from this week then. It was Benfica against Zenit Zane-Petersburg. Benfica so scoring an injury time header You, you may have seen our Jonas. Did Dave get it bang on? No, no, I got oh, it wrong. I thought God. Zenit
2: would dominate. We, everyone, everyone thought Zenit... Well, I mean, yeah. everyone on our review thought Zenit would dominate. But the point would be that Benfica actually looked different to what we expected, right, mm. Dave?
3: They looked really, really good. I think it's uh, Rui Victor or something like that mm-hmm. moved from another Portuguese club... They set, they've set up quite well, like a 4-4-2 again. We talked about the 4-4-2 on, on the previews. Why is this so dominant and so forth? They look very, very good. They've got um, you know Renato Sanchez, who's everyone in the, you know, the world's linked to, young 18-year-old. I was so, so impressed. First time I've ever seen him why? play a full game. So strong. Uh, tactically, was so aware. Uh, had the ability on the ball, could go past the man, had the pace. Yeah. Had the He just looked really, really good. Has got a great shot on him. Yeah. Um, has the ability to play a forward plus when he's in the right area. His decision making is great when he's in his own half, you know, you know, back to goal that type of thing. Plays the simple pass, retains the ball. Then when he's going forward, when you know he's been slipped in behind the opposition's midfield or behind the opposition strikers, when he's running, full pass is really, really good. And I just think that this player is going to be the next big thing, hundred percent. Obviously, he's been evaluated by scouts. Which credit to Man United. Credit to Man United. Remember, we've got to credit clubs like that and Liverpool who are looking at him as well. But like, he just shows. Maturity above his age, strength above his age. He just mm. looks like a he looks like a twenty-one year old, twenty-two year old, twenty-three year old, and he's eighteen.
2: Consistency, I think, is mm. is what most of these young players need because they can perform well, you know, in yeah. games like this when they believe they're in the superior side yes. or they can surprise someone or they can put themselves in the shop window. Someone like him needs consistency.
3: That's why I want to I'm going to look at him this weekend. I'm going to watch the this weekend. I'm going to watch Benfica versus. I can't remember if they're playing this weekend. I think it's Paco Ferreira who. Bebe used to play for interesting I think it's
2: um, I don't watch a lot of Portuguese
3: half past sports. six no I don't either but I quite like apparently sports are very Ferreira. interesting to right. watch i just Googled it for
2: you yeah who also sounds back. like a manager yeah who so, they're playing. Uh, Look, it's Pacos Ferreira on the exactly. bench
3: that's what I mean like, it's going to be quite interesting to watch Benfica because I mm. like Gatan uh, Nicholas Gatan, Gatan 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 sorry was was so good in the game yeah. as well and I quite I like their style they got the ball wide and they attacked with wingers and they got um, uh, Jonas off uh, Mitroglou. Adam's favourite player Mitroglou didn't have the greatest games but uh, Jonas was
2: really good. I'm not sure it was Jonas. I'm not sure that's his name. It's like Jonas. Jonas. Oh, Kostas. You mean Kostas, Kostas Metroglou? You
1: mean Go- Jonas? It's actually
2: Konstantis con- con- yeah. or something like that. No, no, good. no. So, so sorry, jo- Jonas is the yeah. other player.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, my yeah. favourite player is Kostas. Oh, yeah, Mitrogli. yeah. That's what I mean. Mitrogli. Because I looked up. A stat. Sorry. Yeah, Metroglou. I'm the player. Yeah, Jonas was really good in the game. Very powerful. You... So it did look like they were going to be the favourites to go through. Obviously, you can see that last-minute goal, though. Yeah, Do you think they, that really impacts their chances of going through? I think through so, yeah, massively.
3: Account. They had a few yeah. spells where they were getting shots in from outside the area. I think Vixal went very close. Hulk went very close. But I just think that this Benfica side has got something about it. I don't know what mm. it quite is. You know, they've not got... I think they're missing their their big centre-back. I can't remember what his, the fella's name is. A big mm. Brazilian lad. Okay. Um, uh, he's out injured no. at the moment.
2: So what you're saying is, you think Benfica are going to? I think Benfica time. are going to be. Although, interesting. Although Benfica are now the going to be the away team in
3: this. They are, course. but they've got. The, they've mm-hmm. not conceded an away goal. They score one. Salvio's coming back as well for Benfica. Edo they Salvio, score once. Who was really are. really good in the Europa League when they won it? Really like pay, not won it. Sorry, they got very far. Very pacey forward on the right, and they've got Gatan on the left. they they've they've got ability on the counter, and they play two forwards again. Leicester City esque. You know so what I mean? If they
2: score once, then. It's, it's pretty it's much. Not, it's not game over, but they need to score two. It's been we very, need to score three, don't they? Opens up the game.
1: Yeah. It's yeah. been a very interesting opening round of, uh, of Champions League features In this round of sixteen, then going to be very interesting to see what happens in the next couple of weeks. Absolutely. Obviously, we've got the big one next week: Barcelona, uh, Arsenal. We'll 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 talk a bit about that on, that on YouTube. Maybe. Ooh, oh, good. Yes, yeah, I, yeah. I like that. Yeah. Um, let's move on to a little bit of news then, Dave. I'll come to you first. A little bit of big news that uh, broke today was that Wayne Rooney has literally suffered uh, an injury. Yeah, literally, <laughs> he's going to be sidelined for up to six weeks now. As a Manchester United fan, I've got to come to you and say, is this good news or is it bad news?
3: Well, it's a difficult one because Wayne Rooney's been really good in 2016. He's been directly involved in eight goals. Uh, no player in the Premier League has been directly involved in more goals. Mm. And it's, so it, it's it's a bit of a miss, to be quite honest, in current yeah. form with Wayne Rooney. But then the form of last season was awful. The form of the start of this season was awful. So I think that it frees up certain players. Memphis Depay hopefully will go central. Um, you know, the Rob likes Martial. of Will Keane's going to get in. My, I, I like Martial on the left. I do. I think he's evolving very well on the left. I think we should continue him there because he's playing. You know, it, some games he's hot and cold. Other games he's very dominant there. I think we should mm. keep him there. Get someone else up top. I think Martial. Get it. Give him a run up top.
2: Does it mean anything for England? I'm not sure. I mean, I think it's he's a
3: blessing out, in disguise for England. He's out for six weeks, right? That doesn't mean he's out of the year. So he's out it's to knee ligament ankle damage. Ankle, okay. Being someone not that suffered knee ligament damage, what? Well, so I, the first time I did it, I was playing rugby. I uh, strained it, and the second time I did it, I tore it. Mm. Um, and when I strained it, I don't think I played rugby for about a month, two months. And then I played a game after that and it was very difficult to play. But obviously they're, con- they're, they're footballers, professional footballers, so they should, the conditioning will be better. Yeah. But when you strain that ligament, it's a big worry for his future, even like, his career. Yeah. There's it's no a doubt worry.
1: he's still going to the Euros. Though. There's no doubt.
3: I don't, I, I don't know. I, well, I'd question wow.
2: it. I think, I think Roy would take him even injured. Oh yeah, because well, as an influence, I, I, think, I think Roy has a certain number. I mean, everyone's discussing some weird in the England squad this week.
1: Christian Energy, our oh, good friend Christian energy
2: uh, Yeah, I mean, Spencer FC had it on his podcast as well. But Roy, uh, uh, if, it stop. seems, has got a certain number of players sort of uh, dialed in. Hmm. I imagine Wayne's the first name.
1: Oh yeah, of course.
3: Yeah. But then, isn't that a blessing in science He get, can take Wayne Rooney. I think and, get, and get not get criticised yeah. at all by any media sources for not playing him because he's. Injured but the point And point can go with Vardy and Kane
2: Well the point would be Dave That we can spin it however we want But when When your team goes out Which inevitably England will People <laughs> Optimistic but people like why, it. It's not that it, it's no, real no, I the, think the the point, people want Blood And then they go Well why'd you take Wayne Why didn't you take Welbeck Daniel or, you know, Someone who was fixed, Someone they, who wouldn't get injured Why didn't you take Wiltshire You know Why do you take all these people And then the the, the the problem is You know You only see the poison in the body the post mortem, you yep. don't see it when it's actually in your body. Otherwise, he wouldn't die. <laughs> yeah, so that's, what, that's definitely one way. But so it, the the point would be uh, with England, uh, it would be fantastic if we didn't take Wayne Rooney to the. To the you, you say it's fantastic. I think uh, I England, think it'd be a loss. England need an overhaul because Wayne is somewhat of a stopgap between the golden generation mm. and this next generation, and he carries some of the old and golden generation to sort of you know he carries some of that weight, literally sometimes. And at the same time, this new generation mm. need this, needs someone to say, right, what's your mm. what, what what should we be doing? But the point would be, it's hard to break away from the past, which was possibly and probably more negative for England. And certain international teams have done it, you know. Holland have struggled to do it, France have done it with this generation.
3: Germany struggled to do it, Germany got five one and then just scrapped it didn't and,
1: and went, you know, moved what?
2: On. Screw it. We're so moving.
1: I'm basing this on uh, uh, the the article by Kristen Henish for Yahoo. Guy, Definitely go and read that. We'll try and, and put it yeah, in the show But, you know, four striker spaces, yeah. taking into consideration this Wayne Rooney, Rooney the injury, Kane. who are your four strikers? Rooney,
2: Kane, Vardy, Sturridge. I'm in complete agreement.
3: So, uh, me personally, if I know that Hodgson's going to play a four or one, 1 1, Dave. you don't I need three I strikers. I'm only playing I mean, only need three strikers. Why do I need four? So, you're taking Vardy, Kane, and Rooney? I would. <laughs> I, I would <laughs> you know, if if Rooney's injured. You take storage. I take storage, Kane, Vardy, and well, I'd, I. Yeah, because, because, because
2: that, take a fourth because the the point. Okay, so that means I I, I, I. I also categorise someone like Raheem Sterling as a forward. Uh, you mm. see, I, I yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is you've got someone like Sterling, got someone like or Barber. even well, surely Ross Barker, be, forward.
1: Surely there's flexibility in that Rooney can play in the hole behind the strike. you, no. you could play well back out wide, for example. There's a little bit of flexibility. Again, Danny Welbeck, Danny
3: Welbeck's just coming back from injury. Yes, he scored a fantastic header, but is he yeah, showing yeah. the performance I, I the I'm deserves a call i think
2: a lot of the time we, we talk about england in isolation so we talk about england as just a starting 11 how do england play best and how could england play best against an international side if
3: they're reactive full stop
2: but the, the okay so then you take that as a conclusion and then you say is roy hodgson a reactive manager
3: yes but then <laughs> i think that's that's the, the good thing there is we need to be reactive in our team selection for example okay, we need yeah, to be able to seamlessly so switch has, has he done that He's not reactive. He's reactive in a way where he let me let me, he, he counterattacks. So he's seen as reactive. What he doesn't do is he's not tactically changing his system to exactly. combat somebody so, else's system. So does he do that? So, so technically so is, he's not reactive. He's just a he's a negative exactly. manager.
2: So does it negativity? He's he's a conservative manager. Does conservative. he do it? Does he react? In doesn't the right vote way?
1: for Labour. No. Does he vote for Labour? But getting back to Manchester United. Then you think this is is a blow for Manchester United considering the form of Wayne Rooney in 2016. Yeah, it's a blow considering the form. But now it gives it gives somebody the opportunity to step up and, and be the leader sticking with Manchester United and oh the other God. big news coming out of the club this week was that Nicky Butt has been appointed as the head of their academy system the club have been without an academy chief since the departure of Brian McCLay in June 2015 during which time they've been widely perceived to have fallen behind their rivals Manchester City
2: Dave's holding his hands up
1: Dave's holding his hands up what are you saying?
3: We well, well done Manchester United they could have appointed him 12 months ago oh, they appointed him as the under 19's manager I um, uh, mm, watched one of the clapping. games yeah. in the Europa Youth League and Nicky Butts' team played one of the worst brands of football I've seen in a long time wow. what brand was that they, they, played ne- they played a very they played a very tactically unaware 4-4-2 to okay. put it quite frank so this is, this is not good news for Manchester right. United on the surface it is but so they didn't get through their youth league group for a team of Man United's size and structure. That is poor. Whether that's, that's poor with him or poor with the club, it still goes down on him.
2: Every generation every generation of footballers that goes through youth gets scrutinised. I think they get scrutinised to a certain level where it becomes unfair at some points. I, I disagree. And I, I, what I think is uh, Nicky Butt didn't set those players up mm. or maybe Manchester United don't, as an institution, set up their youth in the right way. And I think a lot of people But the then outside. why
3: bring Nicky Bott Nicky Bott's got no record Of bringing through youth players He's not coach. Yeah but
2: Dave In order to cultivate a record mm. You do need to be in a place yeah, but you need where a you coach can set that. Is Nicky Bot a coach No, you, he's an ex-player So, but so what you're if questioning he's
3: his, other it's, it's the classic that This like Whole United situation right now Is the, the Class of 92 Is sticking around our club Like a bad smell
1: You don't think oh, these people, on, But you're saying You don't think these people Have got the credentials
3: I don't think they should be there now. They should go out and earn the credentials. So they have to earn them. They've got to earn the credentials. But they're the, good players. They're all it? excellent players. They did so much for the club, but they're not good coaches. They're not good assistants. They're not good scouts.
2: They haven't done it yet. What, does, what is interesting? You, you Lawrence, is the as,
3: as, a, as a, you know, as, for example, if you were to go into farming, yeah. straight away, but you were a brilliant footballer.
2: Yeah, which I am. Or no, <laughs> let, let's say you... Yeah, let's We've all you, seen you've got, got, piracy, let's, let's, We can attest to that. Let's, let's, we, let's
3: we, change this. You've got a winery. You grow great grapes. Can you go into farming? I've got great grapes. You, you, you've got a winery that's got great grapes. You yeah. make great wine. Yeah. But can you go into farming? Can you go and produce some potatoes?
2: Well, it depends on... It depends what I'm on the saying is
3: that you can't... I think
2: the analogy... But basically what I'm saying is I think you're right in, in that they need experience. But the way that they're sticking around the club, what you would hope is that the club and the, those combine think maybe, to make a, a positive outcome. But do you but think then, maybe they which, should
1: be appointed in these positions of such importance that maybe...
2: Well Pep Guardiola was
1: in... Yeah, but Pep Guardiola was a coach first.
2: Yes. He was this, a coach. But this is what I'm saying, Dave. Is So the point is that they're not combining in the but right he ways.
3: Was a, I don't mean that he's a coach because he got a job. He's a coach because mentally he was a coach before a player. Yeah,
2: and I understand that. So he was always on the
3: game. You know, going, think, to, going to go and see Bielsa, going to do this, going to do that and
2: I understand, I understand what you're saying we, we don't what I would say is harsh is we don't necessarily know what Nicky Butt's been doing in that time like you know he could have been <laughs> speaking to other people he, he maybe hasn't maybe he's just been you know living off the life he wants but with Manchester United it, it seems an awful lot like panic and again I'm reminded of what happened at Liverpool time after time because it's where they go back at United no, where they go back to it. the previous generation yeah. and, and they invest hope in certain individuals who represent something so the same happens on the pitch and the same happens off the pitch. Roy Evans is... there are parallels between Roy Evans and a lot of the class of 92 mm. because Roy Evans and That's the class of I mean. 92 hung around with the right people.
3: That's what I mean. It, it, but the it, point, it's around the, the club, It's smells right?
2: The point of those guys is they miss the mark but it's hard to say by how much because you're blinded in some ways by the emotion of wanting them to succeed but at the same time, you have this nagging thought at the back of your mind that something could be better than this. Gotta be cutthroat. But the problem is the out but the problem is, yeah. Dave, that football, when it becomes cutthroat, has seventy seven pound tickets. Has okay. and, and so when you remove the emotional side, you almost remove remove a lot of the enjoyment.
1: Let's move on to a little bit more. As good as this chat is, we've got a whip for a little bit more news before we get onto to the All table right, table Let's board. go. I want to talk a little bit about Steve McLaren's future. Yeah. The reports have come Speaking out Speaking
2: of ex manchester United people yeah. Being in management
1: <laughs> His uh, but future But a very good assistant Yeah His future apparently Put Rests alongside Mickey on but. the results Of the next two games That's what the reports coming out of Newcastle are Brilliant He loses those games He's gone Brilliant Brendan Rodgers The favourite to take over Now we've mentioned this before That we'd like Brendan Rodgers To,
2: to take over Newcastle We could see it
1: Yeah the
2: I mean suits. we can see it But again I see it as a bit of a slur Again on Brendan Rodgers
1: Why? Newcastle's a massive club mm. Why it's is it a slur?
2: Newcastle is a fantastic institution Hmm Mike Ashley is not a fantastic owner. No, of course not. He's a very difficult owner. Do you want to see Brendan Rodgers go to a club where you feel like he's working for someone who you do not want to see succeed at a club? No. And so the point is with Brendan Rodgers, let him go somewhere where... There's a certain innocent, naive purity to Brendan Rodgers at the same time as there's a sort of weird... Vibe to him, and I like, and <laughs> so, I like yeah, yeah. Brendan, and I like, I like Brendan, I like Rogers, Brendan so. Rogers. I want to see him succeed. I feel like Brendan Rogers is being linked with these things because people bet on it, mm. and because um, people want to see Brendan Rogers take a step down in inverted commas I from manage. what they consider Liverpool to be. So everyone wants it that Brendan Rogers will be the guy who goes, yeah, okay, right, I'll, I'll manage, you know, blah blah blah. I'm
1: not sure I see it in that negative a light because I still see. I, Newcastle are third from bottom in the Premier League, but they're still such a massive club. They're still. Mm. Such... When's
2: Brendan Rodgers ever rescued a side? If we're talking about no, Nicky it... Butt going in and coaching youth, Brendan Rodgers has never been the kind of manager who can come in and go, right, let's instantly turn exactly. things so up.
1: not necessarily the right appointment by Newcastle, not necessarily the right appointment for Rodgers to go to so where maybe it's very difficult, but I don't think it means uh, him being linked with it is necessarily a negative. I reckon he'd suit Southampton down to a T, Brendan Ooh, Rodgers. Ronald Koeman... Uh, rumoured to be on his way out potentially going to Chelsea at the end of the season has been linked with Stamford Bridge I just think it'd work like it's the similar like Lawrence was saying again
3: it fits the club That the club's going in the right way Brendan Rodgers fit very well at Swansea fit quite well at Liverpool at the start going the right way moving forward evolving I think
1: that's what Southampton are it's an evolution of a club are you starting to worry a little bit for Newcastle then because it looked no. like when they beat Spurs I was thinking okay the, the things are going to turn around for them they're definitely going to avoid a relegation but it's not looking great when points uh, teams like Sunderland uh, are beginning to pick up points around them. That's when you start to worry. Yeah, I think it's the the centre backs to fight. It's just not.
3: They should have bought either a really dominant centre back or a really dominant central midfielder, like someone that's got hate in him. I feel like they need someone to fire everyone up. <laughs> hate.
2: Interesting. Like, like the, they need
4: they
3: need something. They've got, like they, when they were three 0 down after twenty minutes, there was no uh, response. Yeah. You know, you somebody should have got annoyed there. But mm, yeah. do you imagine if we were the front three? I'd have got sent off, I'd have cleaned someone out, but then that would have fired oh, the club up for Absolutely kicked off.
1: I'll do that. Yeah.
0: Well. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass
2: It's not a lack, but then there's the passion that
3: you want to. That's what the Newcastle were lacking was passion. Mitrovic. And fight.
1: But then that's not passion. Quick thoughts on, uh, we have to mention, obviously, at the weekend. <laughs> I did a
2: hand yesterday to indicate that I disagreed <laughs> with that statement. Yeah.
1: <laughs> we've got to mention, we've got to give a little mention, in case you haven't heard, a little bit about Serge Aurier, the PSG right back, who had the brilliant idea jumping on Periscope to do a QA where he, <laughs> among other things, suggested that Laurent Blanc. Sucks, Latanić, bruised balls. I think was the, uh, the yeah. right translation. I don't.
2: I don't know if that's uh, literally true. <laughs> I think that's pretty much what he said. It's what, what he said? I, but I don't think he meant it literally. Right? They, Have you they, seen Didier Drogba's tweet tonight? No, what's Didier? Didier said Drogba said um, the, the, the treatment of him and the, the way that people Treat him in France. Is, you know, people saying he should go to prison. <laughs> and no, that's a bit far. <laughs> but also, just that people seem want to. The point is, they want to ostracise him mm. away from the club. Maybe they're right. To some extent Is that You know The immediate reaction is You know uh, That's a terrible thing to say You're supposed to be part of a team Even if you're frustrated Air those views to the right people Keep it internal It was a mistake on Periscope In the first place Ask any PR people But With him He's a young player Still very young Of course And young players get frustrated And Sometimes they're led down the wrong path Didier Drogba's point Which I wholeheartedly agree with Is Mm. People make mistakes Don't Bin them on the first mistake.
1: He does have previous with this, though, doesn't he? Does he? He's done something similar with, um, I believe, he was filming himself watching uh, a PSG game, maybe even against Marseille, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he was sort of <laughs> criticizing the referee and maybe using some choice words to uh, to, to criticize the officials. So it's not necessarily. The why first don't I we think. like?
2: Why do we have a problem with his honesty?
1: Um, I, well, basically, some of his comments could be construed as.
2: Homophobic. Okay, so, no, so no, not no, necessarily. But, okay, um, I see what you're saying. The yes. homophobia side, obviously, no one agrees with. Yeah. Um, but the, the problem would also be that some people are really terribly misinformed about how mm. to express their anger or opinion. But, uh, the, but do we have a problem with his honesty uh, and what he's expressing? I don't think it's
1: appropriate to suggest I don't know, it's, the things he like, suggests. It no, but a bit but, but he, he, you mean, know, it if, it if you
2: take like it's them as China. analogous, then it's different. And what they're saying is that Blanc uh, and Barney Renee suggested in an article just today in the Guardian, mm. which said. Um, basically, is having Zlatan in the team to the detriment of PSG? Potentially, I
1: mean he's going to be off. Maybe we'll, we'll talk about this very briefly. But I think it's uh, yes. So Serge Aurier is a young player. He's obviously a, a naive man. He obviously made a very stupid decision. So you, you can make those caveats for him, but I don't think you should absolve him of all blame and say you know, ah, oh, he's just a, you know, we can't you know be too harsh on him because he did it. He made this mistake, and you have to criticize him for it. You can't go on Periscope, social media, and criticize your manager, your teammate, just who so happens to have a black belt in Taekwondo. You can't say you're <laughs> a goalkeeper. That's nice It's you're going into training the next day. He gets I think the old across the nose. <laughs> the next day, demanded a transcript of the, the, the periscope. He'd heard about it and he demanded to see a transcript <laughs> Yeah. because he wanted to know what was going on. I'd have asked to see the periscope. He has been um, suspended indefinitely. Yeah. He's not going to be sacked by the club. Band, really so he could, he could come back sold. into the fold. Why? No, he could no. go to
2: China. At the same point, why, why would you uh, sell an asset that you've spent so long building up and you can sell him for yeah. any, even a small profit.
1: Maybe to China for a big profit. Anyway, briefly before we do get on to China, let's talk a little bit briefly sure. about Zlatan Dave. Ibrahimovic. You're going to China, Dave, to start your own <laughs> uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, after the game last night, suggested he gave a hint that he could be coming to the Premier League. He suggested maybe the Guardian is no. reporting that he is likely to pursue a one-year deal Where? in the Premier League before going to MLS or China or whatever I'd, I'd take him at Liverpool you take him at Liverpool absolutely well, that's what I was about to ask what do you think is the best move if you're a move with your Liverpool bias what is the best move for Zlatan where should this guy go
2: you know what I Can't actually don't think Liverpool would be the worst place to go interesting because I think he's the, it's the kind of place where they'd absolutely fall in love with him mm. uh, they would, they'd love that he's arrogant they'd love his swagger those kind of things they'd love all the stuff that he says in the press about always wanting to play for Liverpool all the stuff that Zlatan says they would love And Klopp is the kind of manager who can, Hmm. you know, put his arm around a player and go, let's do this, we've got a year, let's make it memorable. And Liverpool win the FA Cup in that time. (laughs) (laughs) But but I also see that he could, you know, a lot of people see him at Chelsea or a big name like that. I hate, obviously you will not go to Man City. Because there's no chance he's working Again, with yeah, Beckham. Yeah, he's not going with Guardiola. Well, right, when would he ever what go? If he,
3: what if Guardiola turns his mind around and goes, I, I fell out with this fella before? I made a mistake.
2: Made, made a mistake? mistake. Um, I made a mistake. No, you know. I, but that, he's you're not going right, to say, guys. I was honest. mistaken. What was the
1: famous quote uh, about uh, Oh, Zeta you're Zeta not a man wrestling. No, no. He's like, you know, You, you bought a Ferrari. Driving me like a Fiat or something like that. Yeah. The famous yeah. Quote. There's a lot. Of then quotes. he had Lionel Messi, that was a little low on the left. Messi
2: now Messi Gassy played it. that one very interestingly because, and I think Pep Guardiola played it very cleverly because he essentially just took his hands off and just sort of went, right, act however you want. And because me- there's lots of pictures of Messi sort of with uh, Zlatan. Zlatan was a big figure, like a central figure in, in that team. But
3: Messi wanted that central role, and that's Where? ultimately why Zlatan left.
2: No, I you, know what you're saying. Yeah.
1: Where would you like to see him end up then, Dave? Because we're talking about Chelsea. There, they obviously need reinforcements in attack. Liverpool, maybe as long as it says could be the. I don't
3: the know court. if he'd fit under Klopp. That's the thing. Yeah, but that's. Thing. I don't
2: care. Yeah. I, think, don't, I don't destroy your dreams. <laughs> he doesn't you just press. Sort of press. I literally. He just it doesn't see press. Imagine. I think any club would buy Latin because at the same time, like you say, that's that shirt sales. There's an on the
1: pitch benefit, but obviously, like you say, off the pitch. The off the pitch
2: benefit is that in that year, the image rights that you have of a pl- that player in your shirt. I think
1: there's going to be a lot of people clamouring.
2: For and forevermore, sense. it's just, it's Lattin. You, he can play in your legends team. You can sell Ooh. so many things. And so what he's got to choose is the best brand for him. I, I think a club with heritage. There's
3: there's one one club though. Go on. Manchester Arsenal. Arsenal. Oh, oh, right. Who turned so, him down wow. years ago. Yeah, he yeah turned yeah. him down. Wow, goes back. Be. That'll replaces Olivier Giroud as the main man. <laughs> no, Mesut no. Ozil gets 35 assists in you know the what? season because yeah, you know he's what? playing those crossballs. Do you see I what like I mean? That? Not the it kind sort of stuns. That's how the sort of signing can you can see you and, see Wenger, and Wenger, because obviously Renio's really coming in, Mourinho's coming in, Klopp's there. Wenger has to go go balls deep, doesn't it? Yeah,
1: perfect. Going back to the start of the year. Can you really see Wenger making that signing though? I'm not sure I can make Wenger signing it.
2: I think it's the kind of thing where Wenger would sort of, I think he'd play it off and sort of go. You know, made the mistake years ago, you guys are always ribbing me about this. Gonna do Let's it. just go for it, you know? Interesting. I think it would make sense. I, I, what about a Bournemouth,
0: you know? <laughs> I mean,
2: you know, it makes sense. A, they can yeah. definitely pay his wages, oh, for sure. a who, uh, whole city could be coming up. Swansea. You know? yeah. Now, what would Steve, what would Steve Bruce do with a striker <laughs> like Zlatan? We've seen what
3: he's done with <laughs> Abel Yama. Hernandez and Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Bloody, I love it. The perfect combo.
2: Zlatan's got that personal image. Like, right? mm. yeah. Oh. I can see him in a Liverpool kit.
1: Not Spurs, no. No, oh, alongside Harry Kane. No, I think our it, backup striker. No, you, well, you well, like you ooh. like young lads, not old lads. That's true. Pochettine, I don't think Martinez is going to
2: sign him. Pochettino also made the point that he wants to keep that harmony in the oh, squad. His wages
1: so as well. Oh, my God.
2: What would his wages be? I, I you, think they'd it? be pretty. as soon as he's coming on a free transfer, I think the wages bonuses going to be something And then the point is, you don't really get a resale value with Latin, do you?
1: Speaking of players moving for big money, big wages. Yeah. Let's move on to this week's talking point, which is, of course, the boom in China.
2: Now, this is good. I want to say This th- is good. Before we, before you do this, uh, if you want to go and see the video on the Football Republic, go we, and watch that.
1: We do have the video highlights of this chat that I had with Professor Simon Chadwick, who is the Professor of Sports Enterprise mm-hmm. at Salford University <laughs> in Manchester. Really interesting, in-depth chat from this guy. He knows it all. He's got his contacts in the Far East. To set up, we have been saying for a while, we're going to talk about China. We're going to be talking about this boom in China. And Simon Chadwick gives us a very interesting insight into why this boom is happening, who's fueling it, and how long it could last. Right, for this week's Talking Point, we are talking about whether China will become the next football superpower. And I'm delighted to have joining us Simon Chadwick, Professor of Sports Enterprise at the Centre for Sports Business at Salford University. Simon, thank you very much for joining us. So... It's pretty hard for any football fan to ignore the fact that the Chinese Super League has broken its transfer record three times in 10 days recently. I mean, we've seen Ramirez, Jackson Martinez and most recently Alex Teixeira move to the Far East within the last few weeks. In fact, in the winter transfer window, the Chinese Super League spent more than any other in the world. Second was the Premier League. Third was China's League One. What is driving what appears to be this sudden boom in Chinese football sign
5: well, before I answer that question, keep in mind that the transfer window isn't closed yet. And uh, uh, there are rumours that the transfer record could be broken again. So that's the first thing. Um, at, at the end of 2014, China's President Xi announced uh, a plan for China to uh, build a, a sport economy worth $850 billion by 2025. Um, by any estimates, this is this is just staggering because even the most optimistic um, estimates of current global industry size are around about $400 billion. So this is, this is an epic development and, a, and an epic market. Now, there are several elements to what he's trying to do, but one of the most important and, and arguably the, the, the basis upon which the, the whole plan is based is Xi's, uh, Xi's desire to bid for the right to host and then ultimately to win the World Cup. And so f- football is the focal point. Other sports are, are attracting investment, but football right now is, is the big focal point. And there's money from the state, there's money from private industry, and, and obviously from external sources too, now now going into China. And so there is a, this feature, obviously, in terms of, of players and, and salaries and transfer fees. And what is behind,
1: you're saying President Xi is maybe this driving force there, what is behind his desire to make uh, China a, a player on the world stage in, in the world's game?
5: Well, from his own personal point of view, mm. um, uh, he's let, he's thought to be a very passionate football fan. So he's uh, he's kind of one of us. He he wants the same things that football fans across the world do. He's a, he's so a Manchester think, United fan, is he? Apparently, uh, oh, I, I, reportedly, it, actually, it's not it's not on record who he supports. So, uh, <laughs> um, but he is he is generally believed to be a, a very passionate football fan. Um, but I think beyond that, uh China well China China has done lots of things. So it it's it's conquered the uh the financial services industry, it's con- con- conquered the property industry, it's conquered uh aerospace and so on. But one of the last frontiers industrially, if you like, is is it's yet to conquer football. Uh obviously it's, it's good at other sports, uh, athletics being one, but but it doesn't have this presence in football. And I think that's particularly important because it's the People's Republic and this is the People's Game. And, and thus far, the People's Republic has has singularly done very badly at, at, at the People's Game. So I, I think there's, there's that as well. And I, I think alongside football comes profile, status, prestige, reputation, which are all very important for, for China. And I also think in, in China, too, there's, there's still a feeling that the country not fully accepted by the international community. And so I think this is part of a, if you like, a political process of China moving up to the top table of, of global nations. And G and, and sees that football is one way to, to, to do this. And certainly top level success in football mm. is a very good way of influencing and networking and presenting a country in a particular way. So, so what initiatives
1: and programmes is G and the government putting into place to
5: try and drive this? Well, obviously, one of the things that is happening is, is uh, there's a lot of money in the system right now that has led to the recruitment of external talent. And this is not unusual. This is very uh, reminiscent of other industrial sectors is, is acquiring talent externally. And I, I think in football that, that serves several purposes. Firstly, what it does is to provide a point of engagement for fans and to raise the quality of the uh, the league so that fans are, are actually interested in Chinese football. One of the things that anybody who knows uh, about China will understand is is the Chinese are actually deeply cynical about their own football, principally because, historically, they see it as being corrupt and of low quality. Now, now Xi has engaged in a corruption purge and, and, and is trying to rid football of, of the corruption. But one of the things they haven't had up until now is, is kind of high-profile stars that fans can identify with, the kind of heroes and icons that we all have. The, se- the second thing that uh, the, these player purchases are doing, I think, are, are, uh, are to raise the quality of the game. Um, because, uh, obviously, um, the, the, the quality right now is not particularly uh, good. And, and the, ta- the, the kind of secondary benefit of that is, is that domestic players learn from these players. They learn to play better. They watch them. They, they can train with them. And, again, that's very, very important in terms of the overall quality But beyond just signing players, uh, I think what's particularly notable about this recent development, because we've seen high-profile player signings, not just in China, but in places like Russia and elsewhere before, Um, but there's very significant investment at grassroots level too. So uh, by by the end of 2017, um, what Xi is trying to do is to, is to, to create 20,000 new football pitches and for there to be 100,000 more kids playing football by by 2017. And so what we're seeing, for example, if, if you're living in, a, in a, a provincial town, not not one of the big cities in China, but a provincial town, what you're probably starting to see right now is football pitches being built, uh, football projects, grassroots pro- roots projects being instigated, with a view to getting young kids playing football more, taking an interest in it, in it uh, supporting teams, and then all the other things that come from that, buying merchandise, going to games and, and so forth.
1: Although you're talking there about how the growth of the Chinese Super League is sort of government-backed, there are also investors and businesses who are keen to be involved as well and drive this.
5: Yeah, and, and I think one of the important things to, to, to understand about China is they have this kind of peculiar model of state-led capitalism. Yeah. Uh, where essentially the government says, do this, and, and then the private sector goes away and does it. So at the moment, it's unclear how, how involved uh, the state is from, from Beijing. Mm. Um, if we look at the recent acquisition of Manchester City uh, by, by CMC, the 13% stake that was taken by the Chinese, there is some indication that this group is somehow connected with the state. Um, but, it, but it's connected in, in a kind of uh, quasi-autonomous way. So it, it's kind of enact, enacting state policy, but on an independent basis. You then come through, and, and certainly at provincial level, uh, provincial governments are being strongly encouraged by central government to invest in football. So a lot of the grassroots football development projects that we're now seeing are really instigated uh, at, at state level, but are actually being enacted by local government. But beyond that, one of the ways in which you have to do business in China, particularly if you're a Chinese entrepreneur, is you have to be seen to be supporting the state. So in, a, in other words, if you if you want to do business in China, if, for example, you want to um, acquire a piece of land or if you want to build a factory somewhere, you need state permission to do that. And, and and you're more likely to get that permission if you're seen in some way to be making a tangible, tangible contribution to the, the national footballing effort. And certainly, some of the corporations that we, we now see involved are very—you know—they're consistent with that. They're they're uh, they're very very prominent organizations. They're very good at doing business. They know how they need to work with government, and so that's what they're doing. So it's
1: kind of a quid pro quo arrangement where you know you back the football growth that we want uh, to, to happen in China, and maybe you know there'll be a favourable uh, view from the government.
5: Well, there's a there's a there's a, 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 a very specific cultural phenomenon in, in phenomenon in China called Guanxi. Which is uh, essentially you do something for me and I'll do something for you, and and and, and that's how it works. I think a lot of uh, a lot of Westerners uh, perhaps don't understand uh, this kind of phenomenon, um, yeah. but uh, it's it's very well established in Chinese cultural terms.
1: So you mentioned there, Simon, about how uh, investment funds are sort of targeting Euro- European clubs. You mentioned Manchester City. There. There's also Atletico Madrid. What's sort of the, the
5: driving factor behind that? I, I think that uh, it's, it's, it's actually difficult to generalise, because I think Atletico, Atletico Madrid is different to Manchester City. So in Atletico's case, it's a guy called Wang Jianlin, who is the, uh, the owner of a, a company called Wandar. and what Wandar is trying to do is to create an entertainment empire, and uh, Wang sees Atletico Madrid as being an important part of this entertainment empire. So sport and and football, more specifically, are are seen as forms of entertainment. Now, that's different from Manchester City because the Manchester City investors uh, are called uh, uh, China China Media Capital. Um, they, They obviously have got interest in City. But one of the other things that they're trying to do is, in conjunction with the Qataris and some American sports entrepreneurs, is they're trying to acquire Formula One. So really, their core business is is, is sport as opposed to entertainment. But then there are there are other other examples, uh, and uh, with, without wanting to be too specific, um, I think there are some opportunist entrepreneurs who want to be seen to be supporting the state because they're more concerned about their their other businesses and 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 um, being able to continue doing that business. But it, but I'm led to believe by some of the people I've spoken to in China that. Uh, some of these investments now taking place uh, some Chinese entrepreneurs are, are concerned about uh, their assets in china and and so what they're doing is they're moving their assets offshore and buying football clubs and And whilst I'm not gonna make any specific allegations around anything <laughs> illegal or corrupt oh, no um, that. <laughs> I, I I think one one of the things that I've been told by by people I speak to in China is mm. is is some club owners have, have are perhaps not as legitimate as they might be and they're using football as an opportunity to uh, mitigate risk, I think is another way to put it.
1: So is, is this different from football booms we've seen before, which may have been short term, I think in Ukraine, Russia, you know, Anzi Machachkala, I think it's pronounced, uh, and obviously Shanghai Shenhua in 2012, in that this isn't just one club sort
5: of driving this investment, it's a number of clubs in China right now. This is uh, state driven, mm. centrally led sports strategy, and more specifically, football strategy. So this is uh, this is not a series of vanity purchases mm. by uh, by clubs. This is uh, not wealthy individuals who are trying to uh, court favor with their friends. Um, this is this is a country taking football very very seriously and seeing football as a route forward for the country. For China itself, we're we're certainly on the second Chinese football revolution, or maybe even the third Chinese football revo- revolution, because if you go back. 10, 12, 13 years uh, ago, there was a view that Chinese football would, would develop and grow and, and, and would change, and it didn't. Mm-hmm. We then had, the uh, if you like, the uh, the Drogba and Elka years where it seemed to be happening again, mm-hmm. but it didn't. Um, this time it's very different because instead of being driven by individual clubs or by individual entrepreneurs, as I say, it's, it's a combination of the government at both national and local level, and also entrepreneurs getting involved in this too. Mm. Uh, There is a long-term plan, there are long-term goals, and and I think this isn't going to go away this time, this will continue.
1: What do you make of, you know, over here, there's a lot of criticism directed at the likes of Ramirez, Alex Teixeira, saying they've moved just for the money. Do you think that's too simplistic to say? Do you think maybe they are buying into this idea of this sort of football revolution in
5: China? Or is it naive to say, you know, that's not their main factor? The one thing about a, a, a lot of footballers that many people perhaps don't really think about is is that it's just a job. Mm. For some players, it's just a job. And, and, and like many of us who are also just doing jobs, if someone comes along and says, well, we'll pay you more money for doing the same thing, you'll say, well, hey, great, I'll do it. Um, so I, I think many of us are probably a, a little too cynical, to, a, a little too quick to judge these people um, it is it is undoubted that at the moment the quality of Chinese football is not particularly good. Um, nevertheless, if we look at clubs like Guangzhou Evergrande, uh, up until twenty thirteen, a Chinese club had never won the Asian Champions League. Now, Guangzhou have won it twice in three years. They got to the they got to the World Club uh, Championship final and played Barcelona at the back end of last year. So, I think you know it, it requires for many of us a change in mindset because. Whereas where many of us are used to underperforming Chinese clubs and, and, and perhaps are very cynical about how they play football and, and what the standard of their football is, that is changing dramatically. And I think Guangzhou is, uh, is leading the charge. Interestingly, though, you've also got uh, Jiangsu Suning, um, the 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 team that signed Ramirez, because they too have also qualified for the Asian Champions League, and so it's it's not inconceivable that by the end of this year we will have seen two Chinese football team cont- teams contesting the Asian, Asian Champions League final, and then the a, a Chinese club is back into the the World Club Championship again. Just to say, I do think the World Club Championship is particularly significant because to bid for and win the World Cup is, is, is quite a grand ambition for a country like China. Yeah. Actually getting your teams into the World Club Championship and winning the World Club Championship is a little, little more straightforward, mm-hmm. uh, and towards the end of last year, this is one of the reasons why I think we saw uh, Alibaba, the, the, the Chinese equivalent of eBay, mm-hmm. actually becoming a, a, an official commercial partner of the World Club Championship.
1: We had Arsene Wenger last week saying that you know, the Premier League should be worried because China have the financial power to sort of bully the rest of Europe and get those best players. Uh, leaving aside the certain irony of a Premier League manager saying that, do you believe that China will sustain this investment, that with this sort of political backing that it is a long-term
5: project? I actually agree with Wenger 100%. I think uh, Premier League clubs, clubs uh, should be worried. Clearly, there will be players who will not go to China because they believe that the quality of 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 play there is uh, not as good as in Europe, and they will stay in Europe. So there will be some people who simply just do not want to go to China. They would see the Premier League or La Liga or Serie A as their 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 league of choice. So. I think we need to understand that this is is not suddenly going to be a mass exodus of everybody from England to China. Mm -hmm. So although there will be players who will uh, remain in Europe and continue to play in Europe, uh, our clubs still need to be mindful and and concerned about what's happening because Chinese clubs are clearly prepared to pay wages above market rates, Mm -hmm. they're prepared to pay transfer fees above market rates. Um, there are agents who are very active in the marketplace right now and seeing China as an opportunity and so very quickly I think what the prim- what Premier League clubs uh, can expect is if they're going to bid for the best talent in the world, the Chinese are going to make them pay for it whether whether the Chinese are doing this deliberately or not. Mm-hmm premier league clubs are going to have to pay I and mean, you just got to look at the uh, the example of Alex Teixeira one mm. week 30 million to liverpool the next week 35 38 million to yeah. china and i think that's uh, symbolic of what potentially is going to happen over the next year or two as well it's interesting as well that george mendes was
1: uh, spotted in china in the last few weeks obviously a uh, very powerful agent in european football could be quite significant that he's becoming involved in chinese football
5: uh, i was speaking to uh, to someone last week uh, who is um, involved in player transfers mm-hmm. And uh, I was told in no uncertain terms that it, uh, the world's super agents are rapidly descending on China. And in one particular case, I was actually told that this, there was one particular agent who's now actually set up residence in China because uh, the, the lucrative nature of business there over the next uh, two or three years is going to be such that it actually warrants this person being there. Um, how significant do you think it is that, you know, uh,
1: we're talking about overinflated transfer fees and how China has this financial muscle, that they're actually sort of outside of UEFA jurisdiction, so they're not actually uh, tied to financial fair play? I mean, do you think we could see China break the world transfer record in the next five years or so, or even maybe before that?
5: My own personal view is, uh, is I think the world transfer fee record will be broken this year by a Chinese club. Wow. Um, you you can know uh, by on the 31st of December this year you can come back and say, "Hey, Simon, you were wrong uh, and I, <laughs> oh, and I'll hope right. and I'll hold my hands up and say, "Hey, I was wrong um, but one of the things again to 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 understand about the Chinese is the Chinese love world records right um, and, and one of the reasons that uh they love world records is is the Chinese like to see themselves as being the best. And, it, and it's a cultural phenomenon. And, and, and just to give you an example, uh, the, the Guinness Book of World Records in China is just hugely, hugely popular. So I think there's something in there about the Chinese. Uh, you know, it it would be incredibly prestigious uh, to them, or uh, for them, to actually break the, the player world mm. transfer fee uh, record. So I, you know, I fully expect it to happen. This is the next big step, because obviously to, to, to take Martinez from At- Atletico mm. or to take uh, Teixeira away from the hands of Liverpool, I think is one thing the next big hurdle for the Chinese is to take a truly big name away from Europe. And certainly this morning, there's a story this morning circulating about uh, uh, Sven Joran Eriksson claiming that Wayne Rooney will be the next one to go to uh, to China. Now, whether or not that's, uh, that's the case, mm. I think such is the amount of money in the system at the moment that the fact that Wayne Rooney is being mentioned at all mm. gives an indication of how economically and financially powerful these clubs are.
1: Well, there were reports over here, of course, that there was a bid
5: of seventy-five million pounds, I think, for Oscar from a Chinese club in the, in the winter. Well, I you know seventy-five million for Oscar, forty million for Benteke. You know, it's it's and 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 I think obviously as 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 we all now know the way in which the transfer market works and the way that rumours work, um, this is always inevitable. But I think one of the things that we need to be aware of is 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 firstly, as we said, the the financial and economic power of the Chinese. They're incredibly affluent, incredibly wealthy. <laughs> And prepared to spend but also is the role that agents play in all of this as well and and I think there's a there's a lot of market making and big talk on the part of agents Mm. to bid up the values of players and and I think this is one of the reasons too why I think the the transfer fee record will be broken Professor Simon Chadwick it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the front three if the
1: whole if the listeners want to find more of your work where can they follow you on Twitter
5: Uh, at prof underscore Chadwick I, I, I tend to tweet, I tweet stuff that I've written, so you can find
1: it there. They have an absolutely fascinating chat with Simon. Really Chappie, great, Really yeah. good insight. Interesting point that he ends on there. He I love thinks, that you both
2: wear glasses in the video, by the way. Yeah, I think he looks yeah.
1: like my future self. Maybe he basically, 30 he <laughs> he basically, just like what, what, me. Well, he basically uh, he looks word. like he shaved Adam. I, yeah. I, I did enjoy the fact he had a bunk bed in his, uh, his room that he was recording in but yeah. less said about that. bear. Anyway, the, the, the final not. fact that he ended on was he seemed to think that uh, the Chinese Super League is going to break the world transfer record this year. Um, He sort of talks about Rooney, of course, uh, potentially moving to China. Do you actually think that's going to happen, uh, Dave? Do you think that China could break the world transfer record? I think so,
3: yeah. I think his his point of it being, the you know, it's because they want to be the big cheese. Mm. Makes perfect sense with their economy, where they want to go, where the president wants to
1: take these, take China... How is you know influencing football? I just think it's I'm not saying right. I don't doubt the desire of the Chinese to break that word record, but do you really think a player I dou- who's I at doubt the top their, of their game? I doubt
2: is their motivation. But I don't think it'll be a player at the top the of his game. I no, just I think doubt, it'll be um, a big I mean, fee. I doubt their motivational reasons. Right. Oh, I think yeah. I think it's uh, it's a bubble which is just what, you know, it's not waiting to burst because China seems to have unendingly deep pockets. Mm. But the point is they don't have the heritage, they don't have any mm. of the other things that come with football. So, you can sign that big contract if you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, go over there. I'm sure someone will take advantage of that. It doesn't mean it's a good thing for football.
1: Not necessarily a good thing, but I think, you know, uh, what Simon was trying to say that this investment might not go away anytime soon. It, you know, it is government backed, it's big business backed. There's a lot of infrastructure behind it. Uh, it uh, Jurgen
2: sure. Klopp makes a good point, and he says we have to teach players to stay at a club for more than money. Yeah. And I think it, it can possibly be a good thing that we will see some of these people farmed out mm. because they want to go to other parts of the world for that. And that will benefit the European League because maybe it will become a bit more sparse, maybe it will give yeah. other people opportunities. Mm. It will also benefit China. It takes some of the Eurocentricity mm. away from mm. the world. There's good and bad things. But mm. it, ultimately, it feeds into China's... Whatever status, it is, whatever status it is that they have, and it's a weird status they have. It is a very interesting situation, anyway. If you want
1: to go and find out more, definitely go and. F- Follow Professor Chadwick on Twitter. It's Prof underscore Chadwick. He's always posted not as articles about the booming. He in sounds China. like
2: a fictional character, doesn't he? Prof Chadwick. Yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> the it kind of guy it. who sort of speak to. You know when you start a new computer game and he sort of appears in the yeah. bottom right, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, it's me, Prof, Prof Chadwick. Chadwick here. Just want to say, if you right click on this bird, <laughs> it'll explode. I reckon he was on Pokemon. If we went back, Prof yeah, Chadwick yeah, would be I one agree. of
3: those guys you meet
1: just before the Rocket Gym.
2: Yeah. Pick, I Think he was real anyway. Pick Bulbasaur. <laughs> Pick Squirtle
1: anyway definitely Can go and follow him. definitely go and follow him really interesting <coughs> chat that is it for this week's front free anyway we will be back on Saturday but until then Lawrence if the people the whole want to go and follow you on Twitter where should they go prof
2: underscore yes
1: that's it, it's changed, <laughs> it? just lost cast
2: L-O-Z C-A-S-T and Dave where should the good people go well, probably go to...
4: Where
3: are we going to go today? We're going to go to YouTube. We're going yes. to put in the front three and we're going to sit yes. search. We, we want to get we want to... get
2: 2 We've got 1,300 Incredible. subscribers on YouTube. Incredible. We want to get 2,000 by soon. Oh, right, okay.
1: oh. We want to get to 3,333 and then we're just going to stay there. No one else subscribes. Uh, that would be cool yeah, that well, would that actually well, be three million uh, if yeah, we do the, that we, could, yeah, we just need <laughs> it's to either or isn't it it's threes it's right. we well, don't well, want anything we,
2: in between we've got a lot of good videos coming out we've got those Champions League previews we did yeah. earlier in the week they may yeah. be a little bit redundant now but, you, oh, yeah, you, but you'll still get that. some tactical insight into the game watch our woefully wrong uh, predictions um, oh no not always um, I, there's, there's the true Geordie going up on the channel this yes, weekend and then there's also what we learned from last weekend which was sort of evergreen it's about Spurs it's about Mm. Excuse me, it's about Spurs is about Real Madrid. Real Madrid and it's about Juventus. Oh, right? I absolutely no? love it. Wait. Yeah, you talked about Juventus. Title Race. Yes. Anyway, it's, <laughs> it's gonna be it's good.
1: <laughs> anyway, definitely yeah. go and watch it. Uh, go take a look. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of The Front Three. We will be back on Saturday for the QA and I promise you I'll be there unless I guess. I can't I can't wait. <laughs> You're not gonna be there, are you no, mate? I'm not gonna be there. That's a promise.